نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger we'd like to begin this evening in this the 22nd lecture in our explanation or sharh of kitab tawheed alladhi huwa haqqullah ala al-abid the book of tawheed that Tawheed which is the right, the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone over his servants. Ba'al Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman al-Tamimi al-Najdi rahimahullah. And as we have previously been primarily relying upon al-Jadeed fi shah kitab al-Tawheed by Shaykh al-Qara'awi hafidhahullah in terms of the explanation of the ayat and hadith and likewise the explanations of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah in reference to the Messiah or the issues, the important issues at the end of the chapter so we'll begin first with the explanation from the Sharh al-Jadid fi Kitab al-Tawheed and the first evidence of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab from the Bab ma jaa fi sihr ma jaa that is the chapter concerning what has been narrated. Nam. Nam. The chapter concerning the texts or the evidences which have been related concerning a sihr, magic or sorcery. And the ruling concerning a sihr. And the ruling concerning the sahir or the person who engages in sihr. The first evidence of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 102. وَاتَّبِعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا الشَّيَاطِينَ عَلَى مُلْقِ سُلَيْمَانِ That indeed, they followed what had been recited or that which was said by the shayateen, the devils, during the time of the rulership of Sulaiman alayhi salam. وَمَا كَفَرُوا وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانِ وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا And indeed, Sulaiman, the Prophet of Allah, السلام, did not disbelieve, meaning he did not engage in a sihr, magic or sorcery. وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا 
But indeed it was, it was the shayateen, the devils, who disbelieved. That is, they fell into kufr by engaging in a sihr, magic, or sorcery. يَعْلَمُونَ nas a sihr يعني they were teaching the people a sihr وَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلْ هَارُوتِ وَمَارُوتِ And they were teaching the people what had been sent down upon the two angels in Babel. That is, the two angels, Harut and Marut. The Shayateen were teaching the people this sihr in the time of the kingdom of Sulaiman salam, and that which they were teaching the people, learning it or engaging in it, it is kufr, yani engaging in a sihr magic as well as learning it, it is kufr. Then he said, concerning those two angels, Harut and Marut, وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ حَتَّى يَقُولَ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٍ فَلَا تَكْفُرُ That they didn't used to teach the sihr, the magic or sorcery, to anyone from amongst the people until they first said to them, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٍ That we are a trial, a test, where he has a test for the people. فَلَا تَكْفُرُ so don't disbelieve, yani don't learn magic, don't engage in magic. For the learning of it as well as the engaging in it, it is kufr. إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٍ فَلَا تَكْفُرْ So don't disbelieve, don't fall into kufr. Indeed, the one who learns a sihr as well as the one who engages in it has fallen into disbelief. فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا ما يفرقون به بين المرء وزوجه and then they used to learn from them from those two angels يعني that سحر which amongst its effects amongst the things that it causes is that it causes discord between a man and his wife it causes them to separate to depart from one another amongst the things that سحر causes وما هم ببارين به من أحد إلا بإذن الله and they are not able to cause harm to anyone by sihr except the iznillah, except by permission of Allah, except by the will of Allah, except that Allah allows it. But they don't have any power in and of themselves independent of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows. وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ And when they learn this sihr, they learn that which harms them and does not benefit them. There is no benefit in it. It is only harm. وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا that is the Jews, they indeed knew, they came to know, the Yahud. وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ That the one who buys it, that is the one who takes a sihr in exchange for the Tawheed, for Iman, for Islam, for the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Instead they preferred to learn sihr instead of following that which Allah Taala had revealed. Indeed the one who learns it or the one who buys it مَالَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ then there is no خَلَاق there is no نَصِيب there is no portion for that one in the next life and the one who has no portion in the next life are the disbelievers this is also a proof that the one who engage in kufr in sihr that they have fallen into kufr مَالَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ there is no portion in the next life in the paradise for those who engage in it the Shaykh, in his explanation of this ayah, 
says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in this ayah that the Jews, al-Yahud, that they turned away from the book of Allah in preference to taking or engaging in sihr, magic or sorcery. And this is what the shayateen had invented in the time of the kingdom of Sulaiman. I mean, they offered it to the people and they claimed falsely or they attributed it falsely to Sulaiman salam, the Prophet of Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear that Sulaiman salam, he was not a sahir, a magician, as they claimed, but it was the shayateen who were the magicians. And they are the ones who disbelieved by teaching the people sihr and as well the people who learned it disbelieved they fell into kufr and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes clear something of the objectives that they sought in learning sihr and that is to cause discord or separation between a man and his wife from amongst that which the sihr is used for it is to cause separation between a man and his wife but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also informs us that the effect of the sihr it will not be effective except by Allah's will, except that Allah allows it. And that whoever abandons the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in preference to engaging in and learning the sihr, then on yawm qiyamah he will have no portion, yani portion of the reward, the paradise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed, evil is that which they have sold themselves for in exchange for taking or engaging in a sihr لَوْ كَانُوا if they only knew. And the Shaykh says from this ayat, he mentions six fawaid, six benefits. The first of them is that a sihr, magic, it is from the works of the shayateen. It is from the works of the shayateen. Whoever engage in it, then they are with them. <coughs> Number two, that Sulaiman is innocent. He declares the innocence of Sulaiman from Sihr, from having anything to do with Sihr, whoever may claim so. Number three, that learning a Sihr and teaching it is Kufr. Learning it as well as teaching it is Kufr. Number four, the confirmation of the effect of a Sihr, if Allah allows it, bi'ithnillah. Yani that indeed a Sihr has an effect on the human being. It can affect one's mind, one's heart, one's body, one's thinking. It can indeed affect the human being if Allah allows it. وَإِنَّهُ حَقِيقَ It is a reality, it is real, it is true. It is not imagination, it is true. Number five, the negation of the benefit from sihr. There is no benefit whatsoever in a sihr As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that, it only causes harm for them, but it doesn't benefit them. And number six, the vileness or the evilness or the low uh, condition of the sahir, that is the one who engages in sihr. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion that is a sihr is that this ayah indicates that a sihr is kufr. This ayah indicates that magic is kufr. And the relationship to this ayat and the book of At-Tawheed or the general topic of At-Tawheed is that in this ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has warned the people against sihr that sihr which it is not effective or it is not engaged in 
except that a person is led to engaging or falling into a shirk and that shirk is the negation of a tawheed indeed there are many different types of sihr most of them as the scholars of the people of sunnah said most of them require the one who engage in it in learning it as well as in practicing it to engage in some, t- in some type of shirk and from amongst that shirk is those who claim to have knowledge of the unseen which is the knowledge of Allah alone and from amongst that shirk is that, the pre- that those people, the magicians they use the shayateen and in using them they will not help them except that they get some benefit and that benefit is that they get the human being to fall into disobedience to Allah in general and shirk in particular then the shirk he says Allah. <clears throat> number one, two points of notice. Number one, the definition of a sihr linguistically and technically. The linguistic definition of a sihr that which its cause or its reason is unseen or undetectable. It is not obvious, it is not open. Technically, a sihr, it means those things which are read or which are written, words which are read or written or recited, or knots that are tied and blown into, which have an effect on the hearts and on the bodies. And it really causes a person to become sick, and it also kills. And it sometimes causes a person to become sick until that sickness reach the point of taking the life of that person. And likewise, it is used to cause separation and discord between a man and his wife, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it. The second point is the ruling concerning learning sihr or teaching it. And he said the hukum, the Islamic ruling concerning learning or teaching a sihr is kufr, according to the three imams, al-imam Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Malik and Al-Imam Ahmed Rahimahumullah Yani that the ruling concerning a sihr is that it is kufr it is shirk and that the one who engage in it goes out of Islam and the penalty for the one who engage in it is death <coughs> the second evidence that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab Rahimahullah mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 51 أَلَمْ تَرَى إِلَى الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا نَسِيبًا مِنَ الْكِتَابِ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْجِبْتِ وَالْتَاغُوتِ وَيَقُولُونَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا هَأُولَاءِ أَهْدَى مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَبِيلًا Have you not considered or have you not looked at those who are given a portion of the book meaning the Christians and Jews, but here in this ayat it was revealed in reference to the Jews that they believe in Al-Jibti, what Tawut and we said previously that Al-Jibt it has been defined by many of the scholars from the early generations of the Muslims and particularly as it's narrated in this chapter it has been defined as Sihr, magic by Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu and Al-Tawut it is whatever is outside the bounds of what Allah has legislated whether it is an obedience to anyone outside of the bounds of what Allah has legislated or following anyone outside of the bounds of what Allah has legislated or offering worship to anyone other than Allah and here Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu said that at it means a shaitan that a means a sihr magic 
and a tarot means a shaitan. And they say to those who disbelieve that these, that is the pagan disbelievers of Mecca, they said to them that they are more rightly guided than those who believe, meaning the Muslims. Also, in this uh, evidence connected to it is two narrations, one of them from Umar al-Khattab, in which he said, Ajibtu as-sahr wa ta'ghut as-shaytan, that Ajibt, it is sahr, magic, and ta'ghut as-shaytan, and the other from Jabir, that is, Jabir ibn Abdullah, radiyallahu anhumah, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, he said, At-ta'ghut kuhan, kana yanzilu alayhim as-shaytan, fi kulli hayyin wahidun. Jabir ibn Abdullah, radiyallahu anhumah, he said the Tawagheet, the plural of Tawagheet, the Tawagheet, they are the Kuhan, the soothsayers, or fortune tellers. And he said that the Shaitan used to come down, descend upon them in every Hay, in every Qabila, in every tribe, Wahidun. There used to be at least one in every tribe. And I heard one of the scholars of the people of Sunnah, one of the Imams from the people of Sunnah from Yemen in a lecture concerning Sihr, he said that, the Sihr has become so widespread in Yemen today that in every village, even the smallest of villages, there's at least two or three of the magicians. At least two or three in every village. Not to mention what is in the larger places, cities or towns. This was in the time of Sahaba. That the Shaytan used to come down on every tribe. There used to be at least one Kahin. But now we found that they have multiplied. Concerning this evidence, the Shaykh says concerning the ayat of Surah An-Nisa that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has directed the Muslims in general and first and foremost the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to look to the condition of what some of the people of the book, the Ahl Kitab, here the Jews and even the Christians are also and related to this, what some of them have fallen into from turning away from the truth in that they have given preference to the sihr magic and following the shayateen over following the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they claimed falsely that the mushrikeen and in the end of this ayah they claimed that the mushrikeen the pagans of Mecca that they were better than the Muslims the followers of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they were closer to the straight path Concerning this ayah, the Shaykh mentions three points or three benefits, fawaid. The first of them is clarification of the deviation of some of the Ahl Kitab. That some of the people of the book, though the revelation had come to them and prophets had come to them, in spite of that, they deviated. And in the previous chapter, we mentioned the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that the people of his ummah, that they would follow the previous nations, meaning the Christians and Jews, so closely and so exactly that even if they went into the hole of a lizard, then they would also follow them into it. Meaning that the Muslims, some of the Muslims would do or engage in everything that the people of the book before them engage in. And from amongst it is shirk, and from amongst it here it is a sihr. But just as some of the people of the book deviated and engaged in sihr, likewise some of the Muslims would also fall into it as we see today. Number two, the second point is the existence of a sihr amongst the people of the book. And today we find it amongst the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from amongst those who didn't adhere to the book and the sunnah. Number three, that flattery 
and false witness is from the characteristics of the Yahud. And this is in reference to the end of the ayat where they told the Mushrikeen, the pagans of Mecca, that they were better than the Muslims. It was false flattery and it was false witness. And this is from the characteristics of the Jews. The Muslims should beware of such. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion about Maja'at al-Sihr and what has been narrated concerning al-Sihr is that this ayah indicates the prohibition of one engaging in magic and that it is blameworthy yani that the one who engage, engage, engages in it is engaging in something that is blameworthy. The relationship of this ayah to the book of Tawheed in general is that this ayah indicates that the one who engages in Sihr has indeed fallen into kufr uh, and this is because the origin or the source of a sihr is that one uh, relies upon and connects itself to the shayateen and they only help them if they engage in disobedience to Allah and first and foremost shirk the third evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions is that which is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim the Sahihain and also in the Sunan of Abu Dawud and the Sunan of Al-Nasai Rahimahumullah on the authority of Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said ijtanibu al-sabah al-mubiqat the Messenger of Allah وسلم, ordered the people, commanded them to remain far removed from the seven destructive matters, those things which cause the destruction of a human being in this world as well as in the next. Punishment in this world and the punishment of Allah in the next life. Qalu, Ya Rasulullah, wa ma hunna? They said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, what are these? Yani, mubiqat, these destructive things. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Ashirk. The first of them, he started with the worst of them, and the most severe of them, it is a shirk. That is, attributing to something or someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which is, is his exclusive right. Whether it is an ubudiyah, acts of worship, or ubudiyah, the right of Allah as the creator and the owner of everything, or in his asma and sifat, the names and qualities that are exclusively the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, all of this is shirk. Whoever engaged in any of it, this is of the destructive matters. The first of them he said, Ashirku billahi. The second of them, As-Sihr, magic or sorcery. And this is yani, a manner of mentioning something in general and then that which is a part of it, because As-Sihr is part of a shirk. So he mentioned As-Shirk first which is general, and then he also mentioned specifically one of the most of the evil types of shirk, it is a sihr, engaging in magic or sorcery. وَقَتْلَ النَّفْسِ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ And the killing of the nafs, the person, the soul which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited, إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Except by that which is right, or that which is truth, meaning that which is allowed in the sharia. The nafs, or the soul, or the person that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited is the Muslim, who hasn't done anything for which it is allowed to kill them. Or those who amongst the disbelievers, Zimni, any who are living under the custody and care and protection of the Muslim state, paying the jizya to the Muslims, or the Mu'ahid, those who have been under a contract with the Muslims for their protection for whatever reason, 
or the musta'man that is the one who has been given yani, who has been given a guarantee of safety for some time if they came amongst the Muslims and they gave them yani, a guarantee of safety until they went on to their place those from amongst the disbelievers who have some agreement or contract with the Muslims also they are from amongst those who are mentioned قَتْلَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ that they are not allowed to be killed the Muslim who hasn't done anything for which he is allowed to be killed and as well as those disbelievers who have some kind of agreement of protection or security from the Muslims إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ and from amongst the haqq that it is allowed to kill someone for is the one who goes out of Islam after believing الْكُفْرَ بَعْدِ الْإِيمَانِ يعني رِدَّةِ apostasy. And likewise, from amongst that which a person is allowed to be killed for, even from amongst the Muslims, it is the person who engage in zina, bad al-ihsan, ihsan, the one who has been married, and after that they engage in illegal sexual relations, then they be killed for such. And likewise, and nafs al-nafs, the person who kills someone else, then they may also be killed legally, yani bilhaq, rightly so. Wa riba and the Consuming of riba, interest, or usury, al yatim, and also the consumption of the wealth of the orphans, watawalli zahf, and turning back, turning back from the face of the enemies on the battlefield, waqazf al muhsanat al ghafilat al muminat, and also making false accusations of zina against the uh, chaste and innocent unmindful believing women and this hukum or this ruling is, is in reference to the believing women and that this is a major sin it is of the kabair and it is of the seven major destructive matters which cause destruction of the human being in this world and the next this last of them is in reference to the chaste free believing women as for the disbelieving women although Muslim also shouldn't engage in falsely making accusations against a disbelieving woman falsely of engaging in uh, illegal sexual intercourse or otherwise however it is not from the kabair what is from the kabair is such an accusation against the free believing women, chaste women uh, the sheikh says concerning this evidence the general meaning is that when we know that the sins of a person are a cause of their destruction the destruction of the one who engaged in it then the Prophet ﷺ ordered his ummah to avoid and to stay far removed from those major sins al-kabair, al-sab'ah the seven major sins which cause the one who engaged in them destruction or harm in this world as well as in the next life and then he mentioned them يعني, uh, as we mentioned in the text of the hadith a shirk and that shirk also we should say that a shirk it is it has been divided by many of the scholars into two divisions a shirk al-akbar and shirk al-asghar major shirk and minor shirk and the general definition of major shirk yani that is all inclusive is any act of worship which is offered to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any act of worship whether it is supplication or sacrifice or uh, fear or, or the love that belongs to Allah alone whatever is considered as an act of ibadah if it is offered to other than Allah this is major shirk for which a person goes out of Islam and if they die on it they will be in the hellfire forever as for shirk al-asghar minor shirk 
it is all of the means, the wasail, or the things that might lead to major shirk. Those things that lead to major shirk, then those are considered as minor shirk, and that includes, from amongst it, it is ostentation or showing off. Riyah, the person who does something to be seen by others, instead of doing it purely for the sake of Allah alone, and likewise, from amongst that which is considered as minor shirk, as we mentioned previously, is the building of places of worship over the graves. Though the building of a place of worship, for the worship of Allah alone, but over a grave. Though it is not major shirk, it is minor shirk, because it is of those things that lead to major shirk. So whatever leads to major shirk, it is considered under the category of minor shirk. Also, he mentioned from amongst those seven things, a sihr magic, as well as saving the life of anyone that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited, whatever is prohibited in the Sharia, whether it is from amongst the Muslims or the non-Muslims who have some agreement or protection from the Muslims, taking interest of any type, in any fashion, in any way, whether it is open or secret, whether it is clear or any hidden, by trickery or otherwise, engaging in interest, it is a major sin, it is of the seven destructive matters that Muslims should avoid. And it is notable to mention here that uh, there is an article written concerning buying on installments. And inshallah we will pass it out to the brothers and sisters uh, in the very, very near future, the Ilahi Ta'ala, concerning buying on installments. And it is noteworthy to note that according to the best opinion of the scholars as Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah mentioned in his discussion of one of the hadith concerning this two transactions in one that buying on installment anywhere a person pays more for an item than its regular price if it's paid for in cash over a period of time that it is considered riba by the clear text of the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, even though there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars and some of the well-known, respectable scholars of the people of Sunnah today allowed it, the buying on installment for an increase in the price. However, the correct opinion is that it is prohibited. And we should make note of this and avoid it. And inshallah, we'll pass out the articles so that everyone can read it for themselves and see the evidences that have been mentioned concerning it. Likewise, amongst the major sins is uh, con- consuming the wealth of the orphans, fleeing from the face of the disbelievers on the battlefield, and making false accusations against the chaste, unmindful, innocent, believing women. From amongst the benefits from this hadith, the Shaykh mentioned eight. The first of them, that al-ma'asi or sins, it is the, a cause for a person to be destroyed. And he punished in this world as well as in the next life. Number two, the prohibition of ashrik billah. That is... The, and, and that it is, yani, the sihr, it is not only shirk, but it is also of the major sins, of the greatest of the major sins. N- number three, the prohibition of learning as well as teaching magic. Number four, the prohibition of killing the soul or the self which Allah has prohibited except by right, yani that which is stipulated in the sharia. Number five, the prohibition of consuming interest or riba <coughs> or engaging in it in any way, as the Prophet ﷺ cursed and condemned not only the one who gives it or the one who receives it but also the one who records it and the one who witnesses it. Number six, <coughs> the prohibition of illegally or, un- or wrongfully taking from the wealth of the orphans in any manner or fashion whatsoever. 
Number seven, the prohibition of turning away from the enemy on the battlefield, except as a strategic regrouping or, or, or joining any of the other forces of the Muslims. Number eight, the prohibition of falsely accusing the chaste, uh, innocent, believing women, whether they are married or unmarried. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of teaching and learning sihr. Yani the sihr is of the mubiqat, the sabah al-mubiqat, the seven major destructive things. Uh, it is of the kabaya, the major sins, and many of, many of the types of shirk, according to all of the scholars, many of the types of shirk, are, or many of the types of sihr are major shirk. Also, the scholars said some types of sihr is not major shirk. And there is a difference of opinion whether or not sihr in every case of every type is shirk, but in any case at least many of them, if not most of its types, are indeed shirk. While some of the scholars said some of them it is not shirk, but it is still a major sin. Uh, also the relationship of this hadith to the kitab of tawheed, the general topic of tawheed, is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of a sihr because the basis or the foundation of a sihr it is engaging in a shirk. Those of you who have the copy of the translation of the Sharh Kitab Tawheed should note here that there is a point which has been deleted from the translation of the book, perhaps by accident, Allahu Alam. In any case, there is a mulahada, a note that the Shaykh mentions in the book and it's not in the translation. He says that num- two points. Number one, that riba or interest, its prohibition has been mentioned Aman shamilan, yani in general and all encompassing, yani that it encompasses all types of river, of whatever type it may be, and it is haram, forbidden, no matter whether the person engages in it openly, or whether they engage in it indirectly through some tricky means. All of it is prohibited, uh, and that, yani those who engage in it sometimes through other means, Knowingly or unknowingly, he said that it is something that many of the Muslims are engaging in today. And indeed, many of the banks that sell homes and cars, uh, the manner in which they do it, most of the way in which it is done, is river, is not lawful. Number two, he said, uh, accusing, falsely accusing with zina, the uh, chase women, it is not including the non-Muslims. The false accusations of the non-Muslims, it is considered from the sarayr, minor sins. However, it is better that a Muslim avoid falling into or engaging in such things in any case, whether it is against the Muslims or non-Muslims. Number four, the fourth evidence that the Shaykh mentions is the hadith of Jundub, radiallahu anhu, and Jundub, radiallahu anhu, marfu'an. And again, note here that the translator of the Sharh of, of Kitab al-Tawheed by Sheikh al-Qara'awi, the translator, he has made a note in the book, footnote number five, and I, when I was comparing the translation to the text of the book, I noticed this note, he says that marfu' it means a report from one of the companions, which suggests, without exactly saying so, that he heard it from the Prophet wasallam, such as the above report of Jundud. And those of you who have studied Mustalah Hadith know that al-marfu'an, it doesn't mean a report from one of the companions would suggest without explicitly saying so that he heard it from the Prophet, but marfu'an means that he has indeed attributed to the Prophet 
يعني when the imam says عن جندب مرفوعاً he means to say to say that جندب has narrated this hadith from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يعني مرفوعاً means that it is indeed exactly specifically attributed to the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم so this hadith has been narrated by جندب attributing it as a saying of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم while At-Tirmidhi who narrated the hadith, he said, رواه At-Tirmidhi وقال الصحيح أنه موقوف At-Tirmidhi said that the correct opinion concerning this report is that it is not marfu'an, that it is موقوفun. يعني جندب, it has been narrated from him marfu'an. يعني whoever narrated from him, they narrated from him as though he attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, but the correct opinion is that that hadith which has been narrated marfu'an, it is not sahih. It has not been narrated with a correct isnad, but that which has been narrated with a correct isnad is narrating it mawqufun, as a saying of a companion, that is the saying of Jundub radiallahu anhu. So this narration, it is not a saying of the Prophet wasallam. the correct opinion, as Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah says in al-Silsila al-Sahih al-Da'ifa, that it is sahih mawqufun, it is correct, its chain of narration is correct, in that chain which attributes it as a saying of a companion that is Jundub radiallahu anhu. And the narration it is Haddu sahir darbuhu bisayf. Yani that the punishment, the had, the hudud for the sahir, the magician, in this world, his punishment, it is darbuhu bisayf. That he should be struck with a sword. Yani that he should be, that his neck should, his head should be cut off. Some of the narration of this, of this report came had sahir darbatun bisayf. Both of it has been narrated both ways, darbatun or darbuhu. And the difference is that the end of the word it is narrated with ta marbuta or ha. In any case, it has been narrated both ways. And some of the scholars said the more correct narration is darbuhu, and he's striking his neck with the sword. That the punishment in this world for the sahir is that his head should be cut off. He should be executed. The Shaykh says concerning this narration that when we know that a sihr is from the most dangerous of the social diseases and what comes from it that is the evil, the corruption that the certain corruption that comes from it and the filthy results that are an effect of sihr spreading amongst the people in light of this uh, and he says that some of the effects of it is that people are killed and some people's wealth are taken falsely and sometimes uh, two people in marriage are separated from one another as a result of these evils that are a result of sihr Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a comprehensive uh, solution or remedy for a sihr and it is uprooting it once and for all and that is by killing the sahir by removing him from existence and so that the society will be upright yani so that it will stand up based on its virtues and its purity and its uprightness and in removing the sahir from the society it is the way to uh, the correction and upliftment and righteousness of the society the shaykh mentions two benefits from this author or this saying of Jundub he said the first of them from it we understand that learning and teaching sihr is prohibited and the second of them is that the punishment for the magician is that he should be killed, executed. The relationship of this statement to the chapter under discussion is with this hadith 
indicates that the punishment in this world of the Sahir it is his elimination, execution and also this hadith or this athar of Jundub radiallahu anhu indicates the prohibition of a sihr that it is prohibited clearly in light of the fact that the one who engages in, the, engages in it should be killed the relationship of this athar to the, chap- the, the, the general topic of a tawheed is that the hadith uh, indicates the prohibition of teaching or learning a sihr because it is built upon the foundation of a shirk yani utilizing or developing or depending upon relations with the shayateen in order to cause some effects on the people's minds or their hearts or their bodies and therefore uh, this requires of the person to fall into shirk because the shayateen would indeed not help them except for some benefit to themselves and the benefit that they are seeking is to lead the people astray to cause them to fall into disobedience of Allah and particularly first and foremost uh, a shirk the last evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions in this chapter is that which has been reported in the Sahih al-Bukhari an Bajalata ibn Abdata قال كتب عمر ابن الخطاب رضي الله عنه أن اقتلوا كل ساحر وساحرة يعني بجالة he said that عمر ابن الخطاب رضي الله عنه wrote to the people under his authority when he was the khalifa of the muslims he wrote to them to kill every ساحر magician and ساحرة female magician every male or female magician or sorcerer he wrote to them to kill them, remove them قَالَ فَقَتَلْنَا ثَلَاثَ سَوَاهِرَ yani the narrator he said then we killed three magicians we killed three of them as a result of the order of Umm ibn Khattab رضي الله عنه وَصَحَّ عَنْ حَفْصَ رضي الله عنها and it has also been authentically reported from Hafsa Hafsa the daughter of Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu or radiallahu anha annaha amrat biqatli jariyah jariyatan laha saharatha faqutilat yani she ordered that a slave girl belonging to her be killed for practicing magic on her and that slave girl was killed and this is also an authentic narration the third of them wa kathalika sahha عن جندب رضي الله عنه and it has also been narrated authentically from جندب يعني the story of the magician and that was doing some tricks by magic amongst those tricks is that he used to kill himself the sheikh doesn't mention the story here but it's narrated authentically that that man used to kill himself and then bring himself back to life through magic so when Jundab saw him, heard that he was doing so, he told them, tell him to come out tomorrow and do it again. And when he did so, Jundab came with his sword and cut his head off. Then the Shaykh says, Rahimahullah, Qala Ahmed an Thalatha, then Ashab al Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Yani that it has been authentically reported from three of the companions, Radiallahu Anhum Ajma'een of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Yani that the punishment for the Sahir, the magician, is death. Then finally he closes by saying the relationship of these athar or reports from the companions of the Prophet to this chapter 
Uh, he says that the author, that is Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, has narrated these reports in this chapter to make clear that the opinion of those companions who have been mentioned, radiallahu anhu here, that it was their opinion that the sahir or the magician should be killed, haddan, yani as the punishment in this world. This is the end of what the Shaykh has mentioned, and, uh, and he quickly, some of the Messiah, some of the Messiah that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions at the end of the chapter, which are not mentioned in the Sharh, and explained briefly, some of them explained briefly by Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen. <coughs> he says, three Messiah. I think there are eight important issues that he mentions here. The first of them is the tafsir of Ayat al-Baqarah. Yani the tafsir of the verse of Surah al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 102. لَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنْ اشْتَرَاهُ مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ That indeed they knew that whoever purchases it, that means the Jews, عَلِمُوا it is referring to the Jews, that they know that whoever purchases it, meaning السهر, whoever engages in it, whoever prefers it over following the book of Allah, مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ That there is nothing for him in the next life. There is no portion, there is no reward for him in the, in the next life. And Shaykh Muhammad Allah, says that whoever doesn't have any portion in the next life, Allah, then that means he is a kafir. Whoever has no portion in the reward of Allah in the Jannah in the next life, then he is a kafir. Only a kafir has no portion of the Jannah because even the Muslims who fell into sins from which they didn't repent, if Allah didn't forgive them according to his will, then he would justly punish them for some time as he wills, and they would come out of the hellfire into the paradise. But whoever has no portion in the paradise, then indeed he is a kafir. <coughs> the issue, the second issue, tafsi'at al-nisa, the explanation of the verse of Surah al-Nisa, and that is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يُؤْمِنُونَ بِجِبْتِ وَالْتَاغُوتِ That they believed in Egypt with Tagut, and this has been explained by Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, that it means a sihr yani Egypt means a sihr magic, and the Tagut means the, shayt- uh, the shaitan. And it has also been explained that Egypt, it means, and some of the other scholars said it means, whatever doesn't have any good in it, whether of magic or other. Yani anything that is harmful and of no benefit, it may also be included under Egypt. But the most common explanation here, and the explanation of Umar al-Qattab, it is magic. Uh, as for Tagut, it is whatever is what goes beyond or transgress beyond the bounds. Yani everything that the human being engages in outside of the bounds of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated, whether ma'bud in worship, that whoever they worship, they offer worship to other than Allah, or matbu'a, whoever they Uh, in a way outside of what Allah has allowed, yani obeying the rulers within the bounds of what Allah has allowed as long as they don't order you to do something that is in contradiction to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us or what the Prophet has ordered us, then not only is it permissible, but it is obligatory to obey the rulers. However, 
obeying the rules outside of the bounds of what Allah has ordered, then this is what is referred to here as also being part of a taghut yani it is transgression of the bounds in obedience to those who deserve obedience but going outside of the bounds of what Allah has legislated and the third issue is tafsir of Egypt with taghut and the walfarq bainahuma yani the explanation of Egypt with taghut and the difference between them and the shaykh says this is based upon yani this issue is based upon the explanation of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu that he made a difference he made he explained them differently that Egypt that it means a sihr and a taghut means a shaitan. The fourth issue is that the taghut it could be from amongst the jinn or from amongst the men. Yani the taghut could be shayateen from amongst the jinn or it could be the shayateen from amongst the ints that is the kuhan, the fortune tellers and sorcerers and soothsayers. And this is based on the saying of Jabir radiallahu anhuma, he and his father At-Tawagit At-Kuhan That the Tawagit, they are the Kuhan That is, the fortune tellers and soothsayers And this is also based on the saying of Umar radiallahu anhu That Tawagut is shaitan The Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin says The Tawagut, if it is mentioned in the general sense Then the meaning of it, it means shaitan jinn The shaitan from amongst the jinn However, the Kuhan or the Sufs says they are also Shayateen, Shayateen from amongst the Ints. So here the Tagut, it may refer to the devils, the Shayateen from amongst the Jinn, or it may refer to the Shayateen from amongst the human beings, the Sufs says, and fortune tellers, and so on. The fifth issue, uh, coming to know or knowing the seven major destructive matters, as Seba al Mubiqat, that have been specifically mentioned, a prohibition in this hadith. The hadith of Abu Hurairah reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim uh, that we mentioned in detail. The sixth issue, Al-Nasair Yakfur, that the magician falls into kufr, yani he is considered as a kafir. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, the ayat which we mentioned in the beginning, وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ حَتَّى يَقُولَ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا تَكْفُرُ يعني that those two angels they didn't used to teach anybody this sihr until and unless they said to them that we are only here as a fitna as a trial or a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to see who would stick to that which he has revealed as the guidance for the people or who would give preference to following deviation يعني who would give preference to following a sihr he said we are only sent, they said we are only sent as a fitna فَلَا تَكْفُرُ So don't engage in magic Don't fall into kufr Engaging in magic it is kufr and The seventh, seventh issue أَنَّهُ يُقْتَلْ وَلَا يُسْتَقَابُ يعني that the magician should be killed and should not be asked to repent and this is based on the saying حَدُّ السَّاهِرْ ضربه بالسيف يعني that the punishment for the magician is that his neck should be struck by the sword والحد يعني whenever a punishment that has been prescribed in the sharia whenever that person reaches the imam of the muslims who has fallen into this act then that person is not asked to repent يعني when that person who engaged in this act reach the Imam who, 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 whoever commits an act for which there is a had from the hudud prescribed punishments in the Sharia once that person reach the Imam the leader of the Muslims 
then there is no asking for him to repent. And at that point he has to be punished. He should be killed. As for kufr, and the ruling concerning kufr is different. For the person who fell into kufr should be asked to repent. And this is the difference between the punishment, the prescribed punishment, and the punishment for kufr, for the one who falls into kufr. The prescribed punishment, if that person reaches the imam, he has to be punished. There is no repentance for him. Whereas the person who fell into kufr, he should be called to repent. And if he repents, then his repentance will be accepted. And from this we know the mistake of those who included al-murtad, yani the person who apostated, who included that person amongst those for whom the prescribed punishment has been given, the hudud. And they mentioned that the killing of the apostate, that his killing is from the hudud. The Shaykh says, Shaykh Muhammad, rahimahullah, that the killing of the person who apostates is not from the hudud. The killing of the person who apostates is not from the hudud, the prescribed punishment. Because the person who apostates is asked to repent. And if he repents, then the punishment of killing him would be lifted from him. So this is not from the hudud. As for the hudud, it is not lifted by repentance. And if the person repents, after it reached the leader of the Muslims, then there is no repentance for him. He is not asked to repent. But if he repented before, then that's different. Then the Shaykh, uh, he says that the person who is killed for apostasy, also, this killing is not a kafara for him. And it is not an expiation for him. And he remains as a kafir. And he should not be preyed upon, nor should his body be washed, and nor should he be buried in the graveyard of the Muslims. The person who is killed for apostasy. And he, this killing, it is not an expiation for him. And he will be punished in the next life. And he should be under the ruling of those who and he are not considered from amongst the Muslims. Prayer should, be, should not be made over them. Their body should not be washed, and they should not be buried amongst the Muslims. And the final issue, number eight is the existence and the wujud hadha fil muslimin he is referring here and ala ahdi umar radiyallahu anhu fakayfa ba'dahu and the existence of magic and that it was present amongst the muslims in the time of the khalifa the rightly ghayr khalifa umar al-khattab radiyallahu anhu so what about after him and this is understood from the statement that umar radiyallahu anhu he wrote to, his, to the rulers in the various lands under his authority to kill every male or female magician so if, if this was so in the time of the second Khalifa, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, and that was in the preferred generations, that it was in the best generation of the Muslims, if it was present in that time, then what about after his time? Yani in those ages or in those time periods which are far removed from the time of the Prophet wasallam and his rightly guided Khalifas and his companions radiallahu anhu majma'in. Yani in these times it is more, it is widespread amongst the Muslims, and the more the people are far removed from the time of the Risala, the time of the Prophet Sallallahu then more and more they have been overcome by Ad-Balala and Ad-Jahala, yani astrayness and foolishness. And here the Shaykh says that Ad-Balala, it means the person who commits a sin due to ignorance, yani they didn't know, unknowingly, unknowing that this was sinful, this is Balala. The person who commits a sin out of jahl, and jahl, he didn't know that it was wrong. 
What jahala is different. A jahala is different. It is the person who commits a sin amdan, intentionally, knowingly. And for this reason we say, the shaykh says, Man amila suram bi jahalatin, whoever does some evil bi jahalatin, out of his, his foolishness. Yani, even though he knows that it's wrong, but he did it anyway out of foolishness, then he is sinful. وَمَنْ عَمِلَ سُوًا بِجَحْلٍ But whoever does some act of evil, yani because he didn't know, yani due to his ignorance of the reality of the ruling concerning such a matter, فَلَيْسَ بِعَاثٍ Then he is not sinful. There is a difference between the person who commits the act not knowing that it's sinful, and the person who commits the act knowing that it's sinful, but due to their ignorance of another matter. Yani the ignorance of, yani or, or their lack of consideration of the end result, of their actions, knowing that it's haram, knowing that it's sinful, but they engage in it anyway, and this is what we see amongst the Muslims today, that they know that riba is haram, and they know that khamr is haram, and they know that taswir, pictures of living things are haram, and they know so many things are haram, and yet knowingly, knowing the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these matters, they engage in them due to their foolishness. Then the Shaykh says, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِنَّمَا التَّوْبَةُ عَلَى اللَّهِ لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السُّوءُ بِجَهَالَةٍ That at tawbah repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is for those who do an evil بِجَهَالَةٍ yani They have to repent because they did it out of foolishness, not out of not knowing. If they didn't know, then it would be different. He said here the meaning of jahala, it means, it's not the meaning لَيْسَتْ دِدَ الْعِلْمُ It's not the one who doesn't know. But it is did al-rushd is the one who doesn't have sense, who doesn't have good senses, who is foolish. Fahiyah Safa, that is the one who is, yani, who knowingly does what they did out of their foolishness. This is the end of what the Shaykh said. And it's almost time for the Adhan. Uh, inshallah, if there are any comments or questions or corrections about what we have said, we can take a few moments and then look at the questions on the hand up. If the sisters have any questions, you can write them and send them. Now, Papa. Who do? No, sihr is different. But in any case, the person who engage in major shirk also, they should be killed if they were a Muslim, because it is it takes them out of Islam. Major shirk takes a person out of the middle of Islam. A person who engage in major shirk, that person is a mushrik. They are kafir. They are out of Islam. However, of course, the inst- the execution of these. Any laws require the establishment of the Islamic State and that the Muslims are in a power to implement the law of Allah on the earth. Now, who engage in? Palm reading. Ah. All of this, any, in the next chapter, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab talks about different types of a sihr, different types of sihr, and they are different rulings. Uh, from amongst them, of course, this is, comes under the ruling of shirk. Because the people who engage in such, they claim for themselves that which is the right of Allah. Yani the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept for himself, and he didn't share with prophets or angels, except on some occasions that he gave some knowledge to the angels or to the prophets or whoever he will. Otherwise, it is the knowledge of the unseen, that is the right of Allah alone. Whoever claims to have knowledge, 
of such things, then they are yani, attributing to themselves something that belongs to Allah. It is shirk and rububiyyah. And it is major shirk. Naam. White magic and black magic, I don't know. Other what? Tricks. In any case, some of the scholars, Sheikh Salih, Abdul Aziz Ali Sheikh, the wazir of, of uh, Shun Islamic Affairs in Saudi Arabia, he said that yani, the opinion of many of the scholars is that the text concerning al-sihr have come mutlaqan, without any distinction, yani, in the absolute sense, that the sahir and sihr, whoever engage in it, whatever has been narrated, it includes them, without making any distinction. And this is the best opinion in terms of, yani, the Muslims taking a position that would protect them from harm, because whatever type of magic they engage in, even if there is another opinion that makes a distinction between that type of magic which is shirk and that type of magic which doesn't involve shirk. If we stand on that second opinion, then people might f- feel that this other type of shirk, that this other type of sayr is less and it's not as dangerous and they might fall into it. So it is better to include all of them in one and, and explain that shirk is dangerous and that it is, uh, yani that it is shirk and it is kufr and that a Muslim should avoid it in any type. However, some of the other scholars, such as Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, divided this sir into two types. That which involves the use of the jinn, the shayateen, from amongst the jinn, in which case the person engages in shirk, without a doubt. As opposed to those who perform the type of sir which doesn't involve jinn, but it is the use of reading over a person some recitations, incantations or whatever, or writing something on a piece of paper and doing something with it, or using some type of substance or solution that they put into the food of the person or whatever. And he said that this type of sir, it is not shirk. And the person who engaged in it is not a kafir and they shouldn't be killed. So this is the other opinion of some of the scholars. And it appears as though this type of uh, reading, palm reading or something, uh, or some of these other things, and it might come under, uh, not palm reading, I mean uh, the use of, of uh, things, you know, that affect the person's body or affect their mind, and other than those, and the use of jinn, that the set, second type of sihr which doesn't involve the any engagement of jinn and the falling into shirk, it doesn't engage, it doesn't involve any type of shirk, then some of the scholars said that this type of sihr is lesser and it is not uh, shirk and it, is, it doesn't take a person out of Islam and they shouldn't be killed for it um, and perhaps yani, this might be, yani, it might be related to the division of sihr into two types as I don't know this terminology of white and black I didn't read it in any of the books that the scholars used it but perhaps it is some terminology that refers to this division of sihr into two types, that which involves shirk and that which does not, in Allah knows best. If there, if there are no other comments or questions, any before, now. Any, uh, again, it depends on the opinion of the scholars. If we are talking about those who 
say that there's different types of magic and that one is lesser than the other, one involves shirk and the other doesn't, then of course the ruling would be different. Yani, however, if we just make the ruling concerning sihr general that it is haram, forbidden, and it is of the kabair, it is a major sin, uh, and that it is shirk, then obviously a Muslim shouldn't watch it. Not only a Muslim shouldn't engage in it, they shouldn't participate in it, they shouldn't be in the place where it's being done. The Muslim shouldn't be associated with it. The Prophet said that a Muslim shouldn't be in a place where the haram is being done. We shouldn't even do acts of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the place where shirk or kufr is done. A Muslim shouldn't sit in a place where alcohol is being served, even though he's not drinking it. So why should a Muslim entertain themselves with that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited? Indeed, this magic shows or whatever, whatever it involves, and Allah only knows, I don't know that much about it, but whatever it involves, it's sihr, and it doesn't have anything to do with Islam. A Muslim should avoid such things and don't waste their time in that which doesn't bring any benefit. But it brings harm to them and they should engage themselves in that which is beneficial to them, that is the worship of Allah and learning the deen of Allah. Allah knows best. Uh, I think for sure the adhan has been called and uh, perhaps there are about um, 10 or 12 minutes remaining before the ikama. White magic, magic for doing some good. That is what our sisters said, white magic means magic for doing some good. Allahu alam. In any case, doing good is by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. Doing good is by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. And although, although uh, there are some things that some of the scholars allowed to be used for the purpose of breaking a spell that is upon a person, someone that sorcery has been done or magic has been done upon them. There's difference of opinion concerning this magic, but in general, uh, whatever we do of good, it should be from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated in the Qur'an and the authentic sunnah. Uh, and and the, the, the real good is in what Allah has guided us to. The Prophet didn't leave out anything of good except that he called us to it. And he didn't leave out anything of evil except that he warned us against it. And we don't find that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has engaged in or called anyone to white magic by any other name or whatever name we call on upon it, that he has called us to worship Allah alone. And this is any what Muslims should engage themselves in. Uh, quickly, any of the questions at the end of the handout, how is the subject of a sihr related to the book of Tawheed? And your sihr is related to the book of Tawheed in that most types of sihr engage a shirk and that is the negation of a Tawheed. Number two, define a sihr, magic or sorcery, linguistically and technically. The linguistic meaning of a sihr is that which its cause is hidden or undetectable. And for this reason some of the, and for, for this reason, some of the scholars mention that a sihr, and at the time in the morning before the fajr, it is called a sahr because it is hidden, it is in the darkness of the night. And also a sahur, the food that the Muslim takes before fasting in the night before the break of dawn, it is called that because it is something taken in the darkness of the night. So a sahr, linguistically it means that which its cause is hidden or unseen. And technically, yani, it means, shar'an, it means that which is read or recited or written or knots which are blown into and recited upon which affect the body or affect the heart or affect the mind and it is used to separate a man from his wife it causes sickness and also it causes death 
What is the hukum or legal ruling of a sihr? The legal ruling of a sihr is that it is haram. It is of the kabair. What is the punishment for the sahir? Death. Cutting his head. Chopping off his head. Execution. How has Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu defined a jibt with tagut? He said that a jibt, it means sihr, magic, and a tagut means a shaitan, the devil. Define a shirk mentioning its two divisions. We said that a shirk, it is shirk al-akbar and shirk al-asghar, yani major and minor shirk. And major shirk is offering any type of worship to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And minor shirk is the wasail or the means that lead to major shirk. What is meant by taking the nafs or the life which has been prohibited by Allah? The nafs here it means the Muslim. Al-Muslim al-ma'asum. The Muslim whose life is yani, guaranteed because he hasn't done anything for which it is allowed to kill him. But it means the non-Muslims who have a contract or an agreement of protection from the Muslims. What is meant by accept al-haq, truth, by right, it means yani, that no life should be taken except bil-haq. It means except those who, yani, their life is taken according to what has been allowed in the sharia. And the person who has killed another person, or the person who has been married, who engages in zina, and so on, like this. Mention some of the fawaid or the benefits that might be derived from the evidences of this chapter. There are many, if you look at the ayat and look at the hadith, uh, you'll find any of them easily. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka, wa atubu ilayk. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.